Blog Talk Radio. Hey, welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Jim Ventura. Thanks for joining me, whether you're catching the show live or in archive. Again, welcome, everybody. Uh, today's going to be a live column read, and it was a new column. Uh, I only do three or four new columns a year, and uh, this is a newbie, so we're going to get into that shortly. Uh, so if it's the first time uh, tuning into the show, uh, again, my name is Shim Matura. I'm a professional astrologer and navigational consultant. Uh, I have expertise in uh, tarot, numerology, astrology, all kinds of different oracles. I do uh, kind of life coach counseling work, what I call uniquely navigational consultation. And I have uh, a home office in Phoenix. I work with clients here and also by phone all over the country. So information about that can be found at my website, jimventure.com. Uh, also, of course, I'm a writer and a radio show host. And uh, I do a column called Snake Oil, which is what the show is about. Uh, I generally do a column every other month. And that's mailed out to about 2,000 people now. You can be added to the mailing list by emailing me at VenturaSage at Yahoo.com. It's free. And uh, no added uh, marketing nonsense will come to your mailbox, of course. Um, And uh, so I always like to do a a live column read connected with that, which, again, what we're going to do today. Uh, Also, I've got a couple of published books, um, Snake Oil Volume 1, first six years of column. And uh, also, uh, my first original book from 20 years ago, which is wild, saying it out loud, uh, which is Dirty Little Secrets. You can find both of those on Amazon.com. All right. So, a couple different things. I'm going to dive into the column. This is a really uh, great column. I was really happy to write about this, kind of an interesting subject. Um, It does tangent into something as well, which I may talk about a little later in the show which is um, something I'm also going to do uh, a little expansion on at my TikTok channel, which is Animal Speaks, where I talk about animal totems and have to do with pigeons, and I'm going to do that in the next couple of days. I may do a longer video on that on my YouTube channel, which is at J Single Letter Ventura Take Oil also. Uh, you can catch my videos on YouTube or uh, TikTok as well. Okay. So the pigeon has some correlation to a few things I'm going to get into that connect with this column. So let's do the first thing and dive into a live column read here, and uh, then we'll talk about it in more detail. Uh, as I like to always point out to live callers, because I see some people jumping into the chat rooms, uh, I generally don't take live calls during chat shows, uh, mostly because people are usually looking for free mini readings. And... Um, some shows I may do that. Honestly, for the most part, I kind of stopped doing that. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm really good at what I do. I get plenty of business. Um, you know, I just find people are kind of surfing these channels for free readings, and that's okay. No judgment. That's generally not my thing to do that anymore. Um, if you're really interested, you can look at my info and email me about booking the session. All right. So, okay, let's dive into the column. So this is. Uh, Snake Oil 128, and this was put out in uh, early May of this year, and it's called Sweet Devotion. 
I was chatting with a young man in his late 20s about a year ago while visiting Las Vegas. He was especially interesting to me because he was visiting from Australia. The Sagittarius part of me loved to learn about different cultures and customs. He was part of the military group, and he found it remarkable that a number of Americans in elevators in other parts of the Vegas Strip said, quote, thank you for your service to both him and his fellow soldiers. The uniform was clearly not American military, but they said it anyway. I asked the question I typically ask of people from other countries. I know you can't speak for all Australians, of course, but generally, how do Australians view Americans? He told me a few negative things, and mostly some positive things, but what to him was most notable was that he thought so many Americans just won't follow the rules. He smiled as he said, it seems many of you are rebellious about government, religion, or any organized group telling you what you have to say. Oops. Jesus. All right, there we go. <laughs> we run that line back. He smiled as he said, it seems many of you are very rebellious about government, religion, or any organized group telling you what you have to say, be, or do. He added, I took every suggested COVID shot, booster, and we get tested every two weeks or so for it. The majority of us don't question it. What is wild is how many Americans refuse to do this, even leaving jobs over it. It's a clear example of how important having freedom is for you guys. My mother was devoutly Catholic. She knew very little about the Bible, but she followed the rules and Catholic traditions loyally. And while we were kids, my siblings and I had little choice but to do the same. There were elements of some of the rituals that I actually liked. Still, I began to question many of the rules and beliefs as early as age 11. I went to Catholic school from first to eighth grade while it was basically seen as one of the greatest callings next to raising Catholic children, becoming an actual priest or nun was way, way up there. I noticed early on that many of the clergy seemed kind of miserable and painfully repressed. It was also notable that a good portion of the you will be essentially fulfilled if you marry and follow the righteous path of having children didn't seem all that ecstatic about that choice either. So I skipped both plans. The priest would read the gospel during Sunday Mass, and we were not allowed to miss Mass unless we were really sick or potentially near death in my family. He would then interpret the gospel for us and explain it all in layman's terms. In my teen years, I often disagreed with his interpretations. But for a million reasons, I was not allowed to share my thoughts. This is a big part of what triggered me to study metaphysics, astrology, numerology, I also read a number of brilliant channel books and a few that were crap. I was in search of different points of views about spirituality, religion, and even God. I think that while Americans are a very rebellious country, there are unquestionably large pockets of people who are devoted to the things that are important to them and are loyal without question, whether it's to one's religion, political affiliations, family, partner, social circles, fraternity, clubs, etc., Questioning the beliefs of who or what we are devoted to could feel like being disloyal or even being a rat in some respects. Many of us have been programmed from childhood that being a tattletale or a rat is one of the lowest things you can be. 
There's so many areas in life where people resist questioning or turning someone in even when they are confronted with suspicious or even reprehensible behavior. Certainly this is notable in law enforcement. While the large majority of cops are clean, often incredibly brave, and should be praised for doing a very difficult job, to pretend that there are no bad apples is uh, kind of blind. Most fields that involve using power have this built-in temptation. I once saw a documentary where a Catholic woman was asked if she thought that any of the thousands of lawsuits against the church for priests molesting children were valid. Her answer was, absolutely not. It's all made up. Or celibacy, restricting normal childhood explorations of opposite and same-sex attraction in decades past for young people to hopefully inhibit that sinful part. It's all nonsense, of course. Another limiting condition is easily a breeding ground for some of this to inevitably occur. Even if only a small percentage of the many accusations are true, that it's still a reality at times in this world. To me, saying it doesn't exist at all is in the same category of saying all priests do this. Sheer nonsense. The blind loyalty for some people can clearly be seen in the world of politics and science. There are camps of belief about politicians that they can seemingly do no wrong or political parties. While well, I'm a registered Democrat, I lean far more toward being independent at this stage of my life. The seriously poor handling of the COVID years by many blue cities we one of many examples of areas where the perspectives were things I could simply not align with for many, many reasons. Some of the more bizarre wokeness at times disorders, borders on militant with my where the highway perspective. Sounds a bit like religious extremes of different packaging, doesn't it? It's hard to swallow. On the flip side, the political rights and some of the red states' bizarre obsession with transgender people, drag queens, and weird things like believing every citizen needs to be armed with assault rifles, like some huge Wild West world to solve mass shootings keeps me from switching camps. In the same way I view religious extremism, age, wisdom, and temperance, Helping to see that both sides have some great ideas and at times do amazing things for people. But it can also be equally nuts. Well, science advancement is both astounding and beneficial in so many ways. And also the blindness with the science is always right perspective as well. Western medicine as the only real way to heal arrogance is one of these many examples. Well, I've never been blindly devoted to a group or an ideology, I do know what it feels like to be devoted and even obsessively loyal. My 20s and even my early 30s relationships had me blind in love at times. I was both actually partnered, even when I believe I was in a committed relationship far more than my partner actually was. I've had a few experiences of unrequited love or simply notably uneven configurations in my early years. Another feeling of euphoria from being smitten in love and aspects of it are amazing. And often, when the light of reality inevitably pushes through, I wake up to a realization. I was putting up with emotional abuse, contradiction of words versus actual actions, or simply saying things that were not there because I wanted them to be. Neptunian ideals, the planet that rules our aspirations, were hit with a hard punch from Saturn. 
finite finite rule structure and limitation, bringing the harsh light of reality into view whether I like it or not. Often much of the discomfort to some of my friends or family were wondering why I didn't see the obvious red flags. There are actual solid reasons why a good portion of the population and most of us get caught up in the best aspect of devotion or the negatives of blind submission. One of these reasons there is there are seven life goals, larger directional focuses that we each have during the lifetime that can be seen in astrology charts and also with the Michael teachings. More on that later. One of these goals is called submission. While the most common life goals are actually acceptance and growth, about 10 to 15% of the world's population has a goal of submission. Certain countries see the ideal of submission as part of their cultural ideal. So in many places, it can appear to be higher numbers. It's positive pole, the goal of submission is devotion. It's negative pole is exploited. Positive aspects are caring, helpful, selfless, dedicated, and of course, loyal. Individuals with this goal, individuals with this goal will bring themselves to satisfaction through devotion. Examples would be bringing up a large family, unwavering dedication in marriage or devotion to a particular career, a pursuit or even cause. Many people in military careers, nuns, priests, lifelong helpers in soup kitchens for the homeless, Greenpeace are some of many examples of people who often have a goal of submission. The negative pole, when one is, one is blindly devoted or acting from fear, is subservience, helpless, dependent, martyred, and victimized. The women and men who stick by an extremely abusive partner relationship for years, decades, or even a lifetime, to the dismay of those around them. Breaking free of it would actually seem logical, but for many reasons, they are unwilling to and believe they can't actually let go of the abuse. Cults and other extreme groups thrive on pulling in people with goals of submission, who lean toward the negative poles. They may even start out quite happily devoted and have a true sense of purpose, and even simply love being part of something, but often it ends up falling apart. Examples like Jim Jones and the crazy events at Waco, Texas, show people who stood behind the prophet even when they would potentially die for the cause. We saw similar unquestioned followers of Charles Manson, Keith Raniere, and other charismatic but dangerous leaders. Very few people aren't touched by at least one experience in their lives where they were devoted to a mate, a group, a business partnership, even a family or a family member or friend who turned out to not be what they thought they were or delivered what they were promising or even downright abusive. In terms of reincarnational experiences, everyone will inevitably go through at least one lifetime of serving a corrupt master. These are what are called monadal agreements or how we learn, grow, and evolve in a series of lifetimes with fundamental experiences that are part of being human. At a soul level, they are planted, uh, they are pre-planned before birth. Yet when we're actually in them and they go bad, <clears throat> it can be rough water. Karma is a system of balance, so we will explore being the corrupt master position ourselves at some point too. These configurations can be in place for years, decades, or even an entire lifetimes before one wakes up and, quote, smells the coffee, such is the nature of karma. 
While I don't have a goal of submission, my neutral goal of flow allows me to slide to all other six goals from time to time. Listen, I can be seriously loyal to those I care about. Few people who know me would suggest otherwise. Fortunately, when my darker times of permission and getting weirdly subservient were relatively brief ones. The experience of themselves in a true Saturnian, meaning uncomfortable at first yet inevitably beneficial way, heightened my now quite sharp ability to see through potential abusers or even those with questionable motives. In simple terms, my bullshit detector is now very fine-tuned. I can often quickly spot or avoid anyone who might be attempting to abuse me. This confidence is so embedded in my aura and helps to keep manipulators away to begin with. They know I'm not going to fall prey to their nonsense. Another way of looking at this is building a strong foundation of self-esteem. It has helped me to see and reject getting caught in the negative poles of submission. This is something I prioritize teaching my clients, especially my regular clients. Being devoted to those we love and the important things that matter to us can be both fulfilling and joyful. Without some of this as a priority, intimate relationships themselves cannot survive. Some of this positive glue is absolutely needed. There's nothing in any way wrong with reciprocal sweet devotion. Understanding the difference of the positive and negative poles is the key to experiencing submission at its highest level. Okay, so I wrote this column back in April, and I don't really think I have to specifically apologize this, but I do if my voice sounds a little uh, rough in contrast to its normal uh, beautiful tone. <laughs> but uh, I just overcame, uh, or in the process of overcoming a sinus infection, which was a doozy. I get those things like maybe once or twice a year or every other year. Uh, horrible. Um, living in Phoenix. But uh, it's it's mostly through, thankfully. So, yeah, I'm a little bit, a little bit rough. Um, and it was interesting because it correlated with having a very slow week in business. I have those once in a while. You know, I get this thing with business where I get bombarded for, with appointments, and I'll only do a maximum of maybe 14 or 15 appointments a week. And then you know, I have to make people wait a week or two when those come up. Most of the time, it usually works itself out, though. But um, once in a while, every like month or two, I get like a week which is like dead and nothing. I just want to say to all the people that scramble in the other weeks, that's the week you should have got hold of me. But now this week, it was probably good that I didn't work too much. My voice hasn't been totally up to par. But like I said, I'm about 80% through this, thankfully. Anyway, so back to the subject at hand here. I want to break some of this down. Um, first off, when I began to read this piece about sweet devotion, you know, I was very humorously talking about talking with a uh, gentleman from Australia in the military. And, you know, when I mention this as an astrologer, when I say the Sagittarius parts of me love to learn about different cultures and customs. Because, listen, uh, Sagittarius is pretty notable for that type of interest and disposition. Um, and here's the thing. You may not... Um, be a Sagittarius sun sign, but you may have Sagittarius moon or other aspects in your chart. So you may have a little of this in some respect. Um, and and uh, so logically, every sign is somewhere in your chart. It's just it's more heightened if there's planets in there. You know what I mean? Especially significant ones and where they're placed. But yeah, so most of us have some element of this. Sagittarius often have a little more of it. 
So I do. I love picking other people's brains and figuring out how they think and learning about other philosophies. So I, I love Australians, by the way, too. There's just something about Australians that I just uh, resonate with and like. They just seem very funny and cool. And anyway, so it's funny listening to him talking about how in Australia there were so many Americans resisting the COVID shots and what you quote should be doing and you know. Um, now that thankfully we're through most of that horrible period in our history, you know, I think, uh, you know, a lot more information has come out about the fact that a good portion of that stuff that we were required to do or should do and people yelled at us about and uh, the posturing of masks and all the other stuff was, of course, uh, now being seen that the brunt of it was nonsense. Uh, and not patting myself on the back, but kind of piece that together pretty much on day one. Um, but, you know, uh, Senator Gurley went through their own thing, and that's a, it can be an interesting part of, of being submissive. You know, we were told by the government, we were told this is what you're supposed to do, and, and, and people followed. So in Australia, uh, they had a little less resistance, I guess, about it. But I'm sure there were people there resisting too. Uh, so the next thing I kind of commented on is, again, interesting kind of sidebar growing up Catholic uh, my mother was very devoutly Catholic as I had mentioned in the piece um, yeah I kind of call it an old soul thing but I was really questioning a lot of uh, religion and biblical stuff at a fairly young age and again like I even said in the piece the main thing for me that I always remember was like in church, listening to him read, you know, the priest would read the gospel, and then he would interpret it. And I would say, like, good 30% of the time, I would just be shaking my head, even when I was 11, thinking, I don't think that's what that meant, you know. Um, so I, I found that interesting. That was my first little taste of the fact that adults didn't always know what they were talking about, you know. But, uh, but it was, I, again, this is why things happened. It led me to question and go in other directions, which is what was meant to be in terms of pushing me into the field I inevitably got into. But, um, but yeah, the thing I, you know, I, I want to say about submission, and I had talked about that, about it being one of seven goals, and that's largely from the Michael teachings, which um, is one of the classes that I teach. If you're interested in classes, you can find info about classes on my website. By the way, if you go to my website and it says the page is not secure, that means nothing. Uh, it's just a promo from the uh, person who publishes it, Fat Cow, to get you to pay extra to get it secured. It's not an issue about being secured. Secured meaning you can't, if I ask to pay money there or get information from you there, it's not secured, which I do none of those things. It's just an information, uh, information site. So that's not, so don't ever let that dispel you from looking to the website for stowing. Um, but the micro teachings are one of the classes that I do teach, and, and other than you know readings and things like that, um, you can take classes, uh, and you can do those, uh, you know, by the, the Skype, I don't know, by FaceTime or or uh, by uh, phone if you're not here in Phoenix. A lot of people do those. So one of the things that about that micro teachings is he breaks that down about the seven life goals, and they're divvied up differently. But yeah, many people are, have a goal of submission. 
So if you have a goal of submission, you'll understand this. But if you don't, it's helpful to understand why people can be so submissive. You know, I have an old sister, one of my older sisters, and, you know, she kind of leans toward a submissive disposition. And I remember once years ago, she's married and has a good husband and a good relationship and a couple of kids. And I remember her saying that, you know, she worships the ground that her husband walks on. And I was like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? I don't know if this is dramatic performance, so you really need it. But in either case, we kind of did a little difference in 1950 here, you know? Okay. Uh, loving him and adoring him and all that's great, but worshiping the ground that he walks on. Jeez. Uh, my sister's cool. She's just a performance joke from time to time. Uh, a little extravagant. Sagittarius, I might add. Um, but yeah, so that's there is this positive and negative pole of submission. People gear toward that. Again, uh, people who are submissive, I mentioned some examples of it, military often, and you know, people in the clergy and, and people that are very devoted to things, they, they grow and they thrive through being devoted. Um, listen, a, 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 a parent that is of the goal of submission fairly often is going to make a good motivator for children. You know, not always, but again, because they're going to care at a heightened level. That's the nature of submission. Um, and as I talked about in the piece, even when it comes to a really long-term committed relationship, you do have to have a certain amount of um, submission in relation to prioritizing a spouse or a partner. Otherwise, it's going to kind of, you know, fall apart. Um, so, yeah, no negatives to you know, people being submissive. Again, I would estimate a good probably 30, 40% of people in the military are, are submissive, which is higher than the actual numbers of people in submission, of course. It's only about 10 or 15, but that's the place to gravitate toward. So, yeah, um, you know, and, and, and good. There's really, you know, positive elements to that, as you can clearly see. But the negatives are where we also have a problem, and this is why it's kind of good to talk about to see where this can dip. And again, the negative pole of, of submission is, is being subservient. It's being misled. It's being, uh, you know, taken advantage of, sometimes even martyred. Um, I, I just watched a whole series about Waco, Texas, from in the early 90s. And I was alive and well when that occurred, and I watched it on the news. But it was really interesting to look at the ins and outs of it. And, you know, uh, I would uh, take a guess that a big portion of the people in that commune, uh, the Branch Davidians that followed uh, David Koresh, were people with the goal of submission. Um, again, when I interviewed the ones that survived it, they were really happy. You know, that was the life that they lived. I, I think many people in, in what we would term to be cults, um, are submissive by nature, and and some of them really had joyful, wonderful experiences uh, within those those places. Again, of course, that didn't go well, you know. Uh, but you can see that there was a another interesting uh, series on. I think it was on HBO or maybe Showtime or maybe both uh, about um, uh, what's that guy's name? Man, that's gonna bug me that I can't rest that up in my head. I think there's a quote in it here about that, my piece. I'm going to look that up because it's going to make me nuts. Uh, about Keith Raniere. Uh, the group was called Nexium. Great little documentary about people that were devoted to Keith Raniere, 
Nexium. It was uh, only, you know, maybe five, six, seven years ago this all occurred. He's in jail now. But uh, there was some child molestation that came up and other things similar to what had happened with the uh, uh, Branch Davidians with David Koresh. Um, and I would say this across the board. Listen, every group that has some cult-like or submissive uh, behavior it does not connect with, 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 with child molesting and things of that nature. You know, to blanket statement that, of course, is silly. You know what I mean? But, yeah, they're obviously when the negative poles are in play, these types of things can sometimes um, be you know, part of that reality. So that's the beauty of, of you know, keeping one's eyes open in, in something like that, and part of the lesson of having that goal. And the other thing, of course, I mentioned the piece was, you know, even the pockets of where I've done this, and I think many of my listeners are knowing what I'm talking about, you know, especially, you know, I, I, at least when I, when, I, when I talk in council, like people in their late teens or 20s and they're so upset when they had a bad experience in a relationship, I'm like, you know, welcome to the, the, the fun reality of your 20s. You know, most of us have gone through some, you know, proverbial shit shows you know what I mean, early on in our relationship. And I am definitely no stranger to that. Um, my early you know, 20s relationships were some wonderful, mostly delusional, and usually a combination of both. You know, uh, I, you know, I was, uh, I, I was, uh, I think partnered, because I don't know if it was a, an actual relationship with an out-and-out criminal when I was 25 that, stole from me financially and just tore me apart. I wrote about this in my first book, Dirty Little Secrets, in more detail. Um, and, yeah, I was blind initially uh, and really got taken advantage of. And looking back on it, you know, someone should have punched me in the head that I didn't see. And a lot of friends were telling me, you know, wake up and smell the coffee, Jim. But to my credit, at least it only lasted about a year, and then I got out of it, and I did see. And as I said in the piece, Man, do I got a sixth sense about that, you know, someone that's self-destructive or not, you know, living up to what they're saying they are or doing or being. And, again, as I had mentioned in the piece, that the tendency for many of us that we go through in terms of unrequited love, when you love someone more than they love you in return or vice versa, and many of us have danced through that. And in those cases, we can – you know, sometimes just be delusional, the negative aspects of Saturn, and, um, and you know, thankful later on when Saturn comes along and, and smacks us into the face with reality and practicality. But, you know, it's, it is that weird line, because if you don't have that heightened, you know, glowy net, uh, Neptunian sense when you fall in love and magic there, you know, then you don't have anything either. So it is. It's an interesting line to walk, I think, for all of us, and most of us have gone through that. Again, I'm very grateful I went through that, uh, those things more so in my earlier years. In fact, I always say that. I've actually been, like, head over heels in love five times in my life. And, you know, one lasted, you know, three or four years. Had a few that lasted just a couple of, you know, weeks or year. Um, and in the long run, none worked out. But what I can say, though, is, like, I'm in a weird way, I'm happy about that. Even if I never fall in love again in this lifetime, which I highly doubt, more likely I will. I'm not over yet. Um, I, I, I'd almost rather have that intense 
deep, almost magical Neptunian love than to be settling. You know, I think so many people do that. I have a quick story here that I want to share as a case in point um, about settling and even, you know, dealing with uh, submissiveness in a negative sense. You know, I have a friend of mine. I won't give her specific name here. And she's a good friend. But, yes, and she's married to a man who really loves her and, and is devoted to her. And But he has, you know, alcoholic tendencies and uh, a little drug issues and smokes too much and all kinds of things. And, and, you know, it's not good for his health and he's not aging well. And, you know, when he stops and then he hides it from her and, you know. So it was a great example. Um, I was planning a trip uh, this spring to, uh, go to Vegas and she was going among a bunch of other friends of mine. She was going to go with her husband and we were all going to meet up there and celebrate her 60th birthday. And, you know, uh, she was, um, again, ready to book a room and very excited about it. And, and then she found out that, um, that he had, um, heart uh, palpitations and issues after he saw a doctor and his heart is irregular and he's having major problems and because he never listened to the doctor and cuts down on the drinking and smoking and all the other issues that he's just not handling and so she sadly had to cancel the trip before it occurred. I mean, she had to call friends and family that were coming in from all over the country to see her to celebrate the 60th because he might have to have surgery and, you know, I even suggested that she go by herself you know, if he wasn't going to be in surgery at that time, he could stay home and watch the dog. But listen, I knew she wasn't going to do it, that she would even consider going by herself. And I'll tell you why. Because, again, he's a good guy. I'm not taking apart. I'm not naming names here for obvious reasons. But he'll, if she's away for a couple of days, there's a good chance he might do something like get really, really drunk, get on his motorcycle, and have an accident or something like that. It had happened before, and she's terrified of it. So that's just a I tell the story. It may be very sad, but that's a good element of kind of one of the negative poles of submission because he, you know, backhandedly controls her through that. She's not going to leave him. She loves him, and you know what I mean? But, oh, God almighty, you know, I, I try to hold my sarcasm of wanting to say, you know, don't worry, you'll do it. You'll go to Vegas and do the celebration on your next 60th birthday party. Well, there's no next 60th birthday party. You get one of those, you know. But, you know, these are those moments where I joke with some of my other single friends and clients about, you know, at least everyone's so desperately trying to find a mate. Let me show you a couple of these stories and see how much you want to hold tight to being single and, you know what I mean? And not being so sad about that, you know, there's positives to it. Trust me. I mean, that's the reality. You know, the beauty of having someone is having devotion and, and, and having a partner and, you know what I mean? And things to do. The negatives are some of this type of crap that, that can be part of that structure. I, mean, I talk about it all the time. I've got, I got many, many a client who hasn't had sex with their partner in a year and a half, two years, five years. And they've only been married seven years, you know? I mean, my joke about that, I'm, I'm currently at the moment single, and I at least get laid every month or two, you know? Um, I call it needed maintenance, you know, from time to time. I mean, God almighty, I'm thinking at least if you're married, maybe you should 
have it a couple of times a year, but I think a lot of people don't. And these are some of these negative elements of submission. And listen, when people get older and, and, you know, there's other things in a relationship that you glue together on and sex may not always be important to everyone, but, you know, I think it kind of still should be in some capacity. But anyway, so, you know, this is, like I said, I'm not, I'm not preaching to the choir. I, I've been through some of that myself. I'm just kind of older and wiser and I'm optimistic if I, you know, go down that road in the future, I want it with someone that's healthy. And, you know, again, I always use my, my cosmic joke. You've probably heard it many a time before. I say, if you only want to strangle your partner or mate, you know, 25, 30% of the time, then that's good math. You can work with that. It means most of the time you're actually in sync. There's no perfect. You're going to have areas of disagreement and, you know, sex and money and family and stuff like that are great battlegrounds that, that are common in relationship. But, yeah, but those are some of the elements of the negative pole of submission where you're in pain, where you're feeling victimized in that way. So this is why, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this subject, because I think that it's really helpful in understanding it. And even if you don't have a goal of submission, you know, some people are in a goal of dominance and they slide to submission. Some people are servers by nature. These are all Michael ter- teaching terminology um, and have that kind of disposition as well in some respects. But, you know, most of us are going to have periods where we've done that. I even mentioned in the piece about the karmic uh, elements of that. I mentioned monadal agreements. And what monadal agreements are, are, you know, karmic relationships where, you are you have one experience in one lifetime and then come back another lifetime and experience from the other side. So let me give you an example of one that's kind of interesting. You see these, you know, clips on TV and stuff where someone rescues someone in the most dramatic, amazing way. You know, where they you know they pull someone out of the ice or out of the uh, a river or you know what I mean, or they you know they help a woman deliver a baby by the side of the road or you know they willingly give someone a kidney, you know what I mean? Or, you know, you're just so amazed by that. And, and rightly so, unbelievably generous for people to do that. But those are often monadal structural agreements. And what I mean by that is if you do that during a lifetime for someone, you're likely to come back and then have them do something similar like that for you. That's how you experience both sides of it. Or it's that, when you see these dramatic things, someone was in the right spot at the right time precisely because of that monadal agreement. They worked it out in the dream state, in the other world, at some point there would be a likely probability that one person would rescue the other one's life in some way. That's one of many examples of, of the way karmic agreements and arrangements work. So one of the ones I mentioned that are, everyone will go through during at least one lifetime is the serving of the corrupt master where you go through a period of serving someone that you think is the master, the teacher, the inspiration, and they turn out to be corrupt. Um, We will inevitably in our karmic experiences go through that. And uh, it's, again, uh, cringe a little. On the flip side, you know, if you've been through that, you know what it's like when you went through the serving of the corrupt master, so to speak. So you're going to have a lifetime where you're the corrupt master where you corrupt others in some way. And that's how karma balances itself out. You know, it's funny because back when I was younger, I read a series of a lot of channel books. I think I mentioned that here in the piece. 
And one of the authors I read was a woman named Jay-Z Knight, and she channeled um, someone named Ramtha. And Ramtha was a really some very powerful, strong information. It was good material. Don't get me wrong. I like some of the books, but a long story short, what inevitably happened were two things. One, um, the seminar she'd have where Ramtha would speak through her and talk became abnormally expensive, almost grotesquely so. And, uh, you know, people were going and spending a fortune and mortgaging their houses to go, and you know what I mean? And it was just got really, really crazy. And uh, I smelled, you know, some corruption around the edges. What actually turned me off from reading Ramtha was, even though a lot of the material was really beautifully well-channeled, and I always tell people who are channeling, it's likely to be believed through by the person who's channeled. So it's rarely always completely clean. Um, one of the things that turned me off to Ramtha even before they, the, the seminars got so outlandish and expensive was, I remember him saying that he was able to learn all the lessons uh, of life in one lifetime, that he only lived one lifetime. <sighs> Listen, this is hogwash. No, you don't, you cannot learn all the lessons of living in one lifetime. You, you can't, the difference between a mother and a father being, you know, uh, being uh, beautiful and, and not so attractive, being wealthy and poor, and you know what I mean? And, and listen, you have a multi-range of reincarnational experiences in order to evolve and to grow. The one-shot thing is just, like I said, it's just hogwash to me, you know what I mean? And that was what kind of started turning me off. But that was my mild diversion. I started being like, all right, this is not the master anymore. I learned enough from him. I'm going to go to other, you know, teachers. You know, I was, one of my biggest recommendations, if you're looking at channel material, old school, was Jane Roberts, who channeled Seth. Awesome. Incredibly consistent. And, uh, again, I always quote the Michael teachings, the Chelsea Quinn Yarbrough books, Messages from Michael, More Messages from Michael, and that whole series. But there are others, Lazarus, and, uh, and uh, there's a whole bunch of others that are really good as well if you're looking for that type of material. Anyway, all right, looks like we are rapidly running out of time here. So, um, again, I want to mention I'm going to do a video on TikTok in the next few days about pigeons because it does connect a little bit with this subject, and uh, I'll probably do a longer, more elaborate piece on that either on my YouTube channel or in a column in the near future because I think it's a real interesting subject worth discussing. Uh, so, again, you can uh, subscribe to my Column by emailing me at VenturaSag at Yahoo.com and get that sent directly to your mailbox every other month. Um, and uh, I've been soon starting to do a live column read also on my YouTube channel. I'm going to start doing that in addition to my other YouTube videos. And, again, you can always check out any of my uh, column reads will be on Blog Talk Radio as well. So, uh, again, I point out any information on my services you can find on uh, JimVenturi.com. And uh, even all the information I shared today should be there. And I want to wish everybody a great start to the summer. I was saying that tentatively because Phoenix summers kind of mostly suck. Uh, I'm already thinking of how I can get away as often as humanly possible. Uh, I love Phoenix, though. But, you know, July through September. Mwah. Right, so, uh Again, wishing everyone a good start to the summer. And until next time, uh, cheers. Jim Ventura signing out.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.